0: this is Liren Baker and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today we're chatting with Amika Azuka, a Paris-based food photographer and creator of the blog Sugar Hammock. Originally from London, Amiga now is immersed in the food and restaurant world of Paris and shares the wealth of knowledge of photography that she has learned over the years on her site and on Instagram. One look at her work will inspire you to pack your camera, brush up your French, and eat your way through the restaurants of Paris. I'm so excited to welcome Amiga to the podcast. Hey, Amiga.
1: Hi. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs)
0: I'm so excited to see you and I always start by asking what is the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Um,
1: Do you know I know this immediately it was a pasta bake um well that's the first savory dish it was a pasta bake and I think I was about 10 years old and I remember my mom saying at the time oh this is amazing you're gonna be a chef one day oh (laughs) yeah just just from that simple pasta bake but yeah that, that was the first savory thing And the first um, sweet thing, it was it was cakes, just regular, like a Victoria sponge, because my mum used to make those quite a lot, actually. Oh, was she an avid baker and cook? Um, Cook, yeah. Baker, it was mostly like, you know, the regular simple things that you make when you're a kid. So gingerbread cookies, um, cake, Victoria sponge. Yes, she did quite a lot of those, actually.
0: Oh, I love it. Was she the one who taught you how to cook?
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 not just teaching, but I think um inspiring me to want to cook as well because I know that not everyone has that same passion for for food and for cooking. And um, yeah, she definitely instilled a lot of that into me.
0: What were the kinds of things that uh, she would make for dinner for you guys?
1: oh everything um so you know there's often a lot of pastas pasta dishes um a lot of rice dishes as well so growing up one of my favorite things to eat it was um chili so like chili con carne um which i have in a veggie version now but that was one of my favorite dishes lasagna as well i absolutely loved her lasagnas (laughs)
0: Oh, good comfort food. So could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what life looked like before you
1: moved to Paris? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's hard to think now. So I moved, it was almost a decade ago now, actually. So it was in 2012 and um before that i had been working in london mostly just doing odd jobs really i was saving up to come here because i had known for a long time that i wanted to move to paris um and then before that i was actually at university just outside of london so it was nothing extraordinary it was pretty regular and um yeah pretty normal life in london
0: so you already had that goal early on that you wanted to yeah. come to Paris?
1: Oh yeah, I, I knew from the age of about 12 that I wanted to live in Paris.
0: Wow, so did you visit Paris as a child and did that spark that desire? What What made you want to, to move?
1: Yeah, it, it was exactly that actually. It was my first trip to France when I was 12 years old. It was in the summertime and I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. So I thought, okay, we're going there. I I didn't feel particularly one way or another. And then I came back from that trip. And the thing is, funny thing, I don't remember so much about that trip, but I remember coming back from that trip and thinking, I really, really liked Paris.
0: Well, who doesn't? (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of us have that, that thought that creeps into your head the minute you step into, you know, into the world of Paris and you're just like, well, I think I could live (laughs) here. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. But you actually made it happen.
1: Oh yeah. I I was determined. I had my mind set on it.
0: So what was the inspiration behind your blog? Was that, did that start before or after you moved to Paris?
1: Oh, definitely after. It was a good few years after, actually. Um, It was imagery. I mean, being in a city like Paris as well, it's pretty easy to get inspired by just everything that you see and the food and the patisserie and and all of it, the architecture. So being in Paris itself was inspiration, but also this was around the time that Instagram was starting to get quite like big and I have always been interested in photography but more as an observer not as someone who thought they could do it themselves so I saw that people were doing it and they were you know being able to to show what they love so I thought okay well this is quite interesting at the same time as well I wanted something where I could talk about Paris. I wanted to have a blog where I could talk about um, city living, things to know about, things that probably you may not be aware of before you move to Paris. Um, So that was also one of the sort of driving forces behind the reason for the creation of my first blog.
0: So your blog is currently named Sugar Hammock, and I love the story behind it. So can you tell everyone about why it's called sugar hammock it was very unexpected is- for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah actually um it's my name translated into spanish translated back into english because my name is uh, Amaka azuka and if we translate that it's well hammock sugar and it was something i just actually discovered one day i think i was walking to class at university and i was thinking Wait a minute, my name means sugar hammock in Spanish, which is just complete coincidence because I do not have any Spanish in my family at all. And um, I, I liked it.
0: <laughs> oh, I was telling you, I thought, oh, how cute. It just, I, when I see your blog name, I just have this imagery of just lounging on a hammock with a pastry <laughs> or something sweet. And so I thought, oh, but now that I see your name, Azuka, that makes complete sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, phonetically. Uh, it's, it's not written the same way, and, and right. I know that, and my first name is not written the same same way. But yes, it's, it's the same pronunciation, more or less.
0: Yeah, when you hear it, it completely makes sense. So tell us how you honed your craft in photography, because it is, I'm looking at it right now, it's beautiful. It's just one of my favorites. <laughs> Thank it's just you. so pretty. Thank you so
1: much. <laughs> Thank you. Um it's what I would actually say, there's certain elements of photography that I completely admit did not come naturally to me. So for example, the composition, um, things like that. So at the beginning it was a lot of watching what others were doing. Um, it was a lot of watching YouTube tutorials. I mean, I did everything quite on, on the cheap. So I I I didn't spend that much money at all because I just didn't really have that money to spend at that time so I was watching a lot of YouTube tutorials um I was watching a lot of uh, we eat together so Skylar from we eat together mm-hmm. he has a, a great channel and also um in the early days I was watching the early videos from a uh, journey from the bike shot as well so it was learning Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I I was watching, just trying to learn the absolute basics. Um, And not even just about food photography. I was was learning the basics about um, interior photography and architecture photography. So I I wasn't limiting myself at that time. I just wanted to know the basics about depth of field, um, about ISO, shutter speed, all of it.
0: All the good basics. It's amazing what you can learn online these days.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely.
0: So I know you use both natural and artificial light. Can you talk about how mm-hmm. you use each one for which application?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, I, I started like I think most people do, starting on natural light. And um, I, I love it. I, I think it definitely has its place, and I think it's great. And I know that's what a lot of people do rely on. For me, being in Northwestern Europe, I realized pretty quickly that, Relying on natural light is a little bit unreliable because first of all, the weather here, it will, you, you can have four seasons in one day. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing. Second thing is the um, time of year as well. So winters are pretty brutal here in terms of not so much the weather itself, but the lack of sunlight and daylight. So it will get dark in London about quarter to four in the afternoon. Uh, night fall in france it will be about 4 30 pm so it was really limiting me to only have natural light so it it came about came about more by necessity i thought well i have to because i don't want to be limited to seven months of the year at only six hours a day right and
0: i mean what i love about it is that you are able to sculpt your your photographs with artificial light so beautifully that to mm-hmm. you know, the casual observer they would just assume that it was naturally lit because the shadows are very natural. I feel like when I see some, you know, photography, the goal for some people is to erase all shadows, which I think is a personal shame. I mean, it's just because mm-hmm. I I just adore shadows and I love how you embrace it. Yeah. Um, so what are your tips for making artificial light look more believable?
1: Oh, wow. Um, So I think one of the first things I would say, it would be to, well, it's always having the um, a diffuser. That is the number one thing, is having a diffuser, because without the diffuser, um, it, it's, it's very harsh and there's a lot of shadows. So you actually have this clash of both. Now, while that does work in some cases, and that is something that I have started doing a lot more in the last few months, um, it is not the look that... You are probably going for in the beginning if you want to have a very natural, soft, diffused look. So, um, a natural, to mimic that natural light, you have to have a diffuser other thing is knowing about the position and placement relative to the subject itself so knowing that the closer you get um the harder the shadows are going to be the further you move that light away the diffused light the more you're going to have those soft shadows falling on the side of the object on the subject
0: and you use continuous light is that right
1: uh, so with regards to um, artificial lights, I started with continuous. Then it was around the end of last year, I moved on to flash. So now I, I use primarily flash when it's artificial.
0: I love flash. I, I made the transition myself about a year or so ago. And... Uh it's it's strange. Like sometimes I'll still challenge myself to shoot, you know, with natural light, which I loved for at least 10 years. (laughs) And um, now it's now I'm almost, now I almost really like the artificial more than, than the natural, just because I feel like I have so much more control. Um, but something, yeah, but I, I do need to play more with my shadows, I think, or just, um, just the placement of my flash, you know, and, and getting more of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, you know, that natural sun-kissed look, I think that's something that I would love to just tackle next, which you, which you do yeah. so well. What are your well, tips for you. shooting? Oh, you're welcome. What are your tips for shooting yourself into the scene? Because I think that's something that you also excel at.
1: Oh, I love doing that. I, I love it. it. And it, is, it's, it takes a, a while and it takes a lot of practice. And I don't even necessarily mean long-term practice, but when you're there doing the shoot itself, I mean, there are times when I've shot maybe hundreds or almost hundreds to try and get that shot because I am not behind the camera in those cases and I do work alone. So, uh, and for a long time as well, I wasn't even really, I wasn't, tether, tether, yeah, t- I wasn't tethering. Mm. So, um. I would go in front of the camera. I would try to use another object, so like a placeholder, to see where the focus would be. I would try to imitate it with my bodies to make sure that the focus would be correct. Um, And then I would shoot. Then I'll go back to the viewfinder to see if it was okay. Um, And then a few months later, I started to upgrade, I guess you could say. So I bought um, the remote. So I didn't need to keep in the timer, I'll just press the button, and then i would have that. Then I would upgrade once again. So I had the remote, and then I also started tethering. And then I was tethering with Live View. And with all these little modifications, it got easier and easier. So what I would say for people that are trying to get themselves in front of the lens and behind the lens at the same time, definitely have a remote, start tethering, and try to use the live view on the tether.
0: Yes, that really does streamline things because I know I've kind of followed the same progression that you have, and you quickly realize, mm-hmm. oh, I need to be able to trigger this camera without, you know, and not yeah. trust, let's say, the the timer. The hardest part I think for me is always nailing that focus because um, you're exactly. moving in and out of frame. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, exactly and when you want you to be the star and not necessarily the food then that gets really tricky mm-hmm. so I think
1: yeah and even really more matters. difficult it does and even more difficult when you want to get the focus you are in front of the lens and on top of that you are doing an action shot because that's another thing that I love doing oh, so gosh. it's pour shots action shots if I want to pour like a, a latte or something like that so in those cases I have to make sure focus is Absolutely pinpoint perfect, make sure the timing is correct, make sure the shutter is the right shutter as well, so that I'm actually getting it in focus. Um, so then it gets even harder.
0: Wow. What I love that you've done is that you also mentored with another photographer. So mm-hmm. I was hoping you could kind of just talk about your experience and, and what made you decide to to do that. Because I think not a lot of people do that. It's a great idea
1: okay yeah so i mean as i said in the early days i was doing everything you know as with as little budget as i had so as i said i was watching a lot of youtube videos and um, i was finding like short workshops on creative live as well which were really helpful and then after a few years it came to the point where i thought well i i do want to take it to the next step now and i'm ready to invest a little bit more so there's quite a lot of food photography courses now um and i found the one that i thought works for me in terms of the style of photography the objectives the goals so i decided to go with M. Bella from fulfilled and it was simply because I absolutely love her photography. I just, I think the way that she uses light, the color that she uses, I think it is fantastic. So um, I knew that she was offering workshops so or one-on-one. So I reached out to her and she said, yep, yeah, sure. And she gave me her dates and availability. And I talked with her about what it was exactly that I'm looking for, because beyond just saying... I want to take better photos. Um, It was more specifically about in what way do I want to take better photos? Do I want it to be more in focus? Do I want to have more harmonized composition? Do I want to understand color theory better?
0: And I think that's so key, knowing what your goals are and not just blindly Mm. thinking, because you're right, if you say, I just want to take better pictures, that could mean anything. And mm-hmm. so that makes it really much easier for both of you to to pinpoint what you're going to focus on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So was there something that you learned from Bella that you probably or may not have learned otherwise, or it would have taken so much longer to to learn?
1: Uh, yes um so one of the things and this still sticks with me to this day is regarding composition and how to make it more natural and this is something i talked about recently or fairly recently actually on my instagram it's um positioning in terms of composition and having things spill out of the frame a little bit to make it more natural and not so staged so there was a time when i was really shooting to the lens or to the camera but a little bit too much in the sense that everything is in the center Everything is very much put together, which is okay. But I knew that I wanted to have that natural, relaxed feeling to my photos. And um, that's something she told me. So it can be off frame. It can be um, have elements out of the lens a little bit or out of the frame just to make it feel more like you have stepped in on a scene rather than you have taken that to have a photo.
0: Yes, I, I, I totally know what you mean. Like even if you just put an mm-hmm. object out of frame and a little bit of that shadow creeps in, yeah, you still sense that there's something else there and it, it does feel more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good advice. So I know you've mentioned photography on a budget and that's something that you definitely have shared on your blog as well. What are your tips mm-hmm. for someone who's starting out and, thinks oh my gosh i need to buy the best camera and the best tripod uh-huh. and the best of everything i would love to hear your advice on starting on a budget uh, go second hand
1: that is the first thing i would definitely say so buy a camera that someone else has already used i know some people are a little bit hesitant about the idea of buying something like electronics from someone already but the thing is these people they were camera users as well they know the importance of taking care of the camera um so there's actually generally very little risk that there'll be something dramatically wrong and in most cases anyway or at least in the situations i have been in when i've been looking for something secondhand it says okay there's a little default here or there's something which is a bit um broken here or missing so they would always let you know anyway so that is the first thing i would say is definitely buy secondhand because it it is really definitely worth the savings um What else I would say? Finding ways to take courses and workshops which aren't so expensive. Um, Because I know that, you know, there's retreats that people do and they can be in some far-flung country or on an island. (laughs) It can be thousands and thousands. And, you know, it's great if you can do that. That's fantastic. But I never want beginners to feel like they they need to have that or that they are missing out if they don't have that because I really believe that they're not. I don't believe that you are... Missing out by not going on a four thousand dollar retreat. So there's um, Creative Live, as I said, which I used in the beginning, and actually I watched a lot of Andrew Scrivani's workshops on there. Yeah, he's great. So, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, and he has a book now, so that's another mm-hmm. option as well. So books, I did also buy a book in the early days as well. Um, I think it's by um, Helen Dujardin, yes. and yeah it was hers it was her book I bought and then in addition to that there's YouTube as I said so um yeah really great options books creative live YouTube
0: yes I agree and now you because you're sharing a lot of your behind the scenes on Instagram which I love and on your
1: yeah. site yeah yes I mean blogs are fantastic way as well so even though Rachel Koronek from Tula Studio. She has a lot, a lot of resources on her website.
0: So um, I also, what I find interesting too, is how you built your photography business um, and how Uh how you actually got started shooting restaurants. Uh So what are your, what are, what are your ideas there for people who think, oh, you know, I think I want to, expand beyond let's say they have a blog and they want to do something mm-hmm. with let's say, their local restaurant community what are good ways mm-hmm. to
1: get in there um asking <laughs> simply just just um asking and finding the right contact and I know a lot of people talk about that and they talk about finding the right contacts and what that means well for me in the early days it was mostly on instagram so i would ask the person who is running the instagram account because they are the ones who are normally in charge of the the marketing or the digital marketing the social media of course so then i would ask for an email address because i I wouldn't actually send the request via instagram it will just be there as a first point of contact then i would just send an email explaining that um who i am the fact that i have a blog and that my focus is on a uh, restaurant and restaurant photography so i would say that i'm developing my portfolio and i would like to take some photos and yeah I, I would want to talk about them in my blog so it was a nice way because i was able to develop my photography i was able to develop my portfolio and at the same time, I know something that people worry about is uh, working for free. Well, it was never really the case because I never gave them those images, but they were always happy to have a link to the article I did.
0: Right, and you know what? It's um, it's a good way to expand your network because once they realize, oh, mm-hmm. beautiful work, the other they the restaurant community is very small. They will they will talk to each other and quickly learn. Yeah. <laughs> what what amazing work you're doing. So I know that this is, you actually also have another job. So how do you juggle the two careers?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I am um, also a teacher as well. I'm an English teacher, which I have been doing since I arrived in Paris. So luckily for me, I do have a situation where number one, I am freelance completely. So even as a teacher, I am freelance. The other advantage is that I do work a lot from home, not just because of the pandemic and the situation over the last year and a half, but because that is how my job is and I I work remotely a lot. So luckily I do have time during the day to practice my photography, to work on personal projects. But um, if, if I don't have that time in the day, which is possible, I will often work in the evening. And that is one of the other reasons why I decided to get um, artificial light. Uh, and I will work on um, Sunday afternoons.
0: Uh, okay. Can I just say, I really want to go to Paris right now. So how are things there? I know <laughs> things are starting to open
1: up. What, what is the uh-huh. mood like? Um, In Paris, because I mean, different situations in different parts of France, but I can say for Paris, it's, relatively good and I mean relative to this time last year so um, in terms of the pandemic masks are off in the streets so that's an advantage Uh, we can finally go back into cafes and restaurants and terraces and this is something which is so 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 important for us for as Parisians because it's really an integral part and it's, it's an essential part of the life in Paris to have the terrace so that has returned and really grateful for that. And also, oh. it means that, you know, in terms of work as a photographer, um, the work is back because restaurants need more photography again. Yes, so I
0: know that there is the the uh, the French version of sort of DoorDash, what is it called? Um, where you order food online and... Oh,
1: right, um,
0: Deliveroo.
1: Deliveroo, that's and right. Uber,
0: yeah. So, were you finding during pandemic that restaurants were needing more images for Deliveroo or Uber Eats?
1: Um, I realized they were from a um, job offer that I received, actually, because Mm. um, it was from a company and they wanted some photography for their it was their um, delivery, the food delivery service. So it was at that point that I realized that, yeah, okay, a, a lot of um, companies and restaurants are turning more towards home delivery, but it's, it's to be expected and it, it didn't surprise me. I thought, yeah, this is a logical transition and a way to survive and to keep afloat during the pandemic.
0: So when people are able to return to Paris, what mm-hmm. would you say? Is maybe the top, or maybe are the top three things that they should make sure they eat when they get there?
1: Um, What they should eat when they get here? Um, I would say, I mean, if you want to go classic, then it would be like um, the steak frites, if that, if no, the steak and fries. And Mm -hmm. um, what else would I say? It's funny. Because even though I, I do live in Paris and I live in France, I actually eat a lot of, like, the international food. And yes. I, I really appreciate the international food scene here, actually, as I did in London. So I would say, yeah, definitely try the traditional French food. Try the, the Um, But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of really good international food as well. So give that a try as well.
0: Yeah, I remember stumbling across... Um... We returned so many times to a pho place. Um, really great Vietnamese and Thai food that we just yeah. fell in love with during our time mm-hmm. there. So, mm-hmm. You're right. Don't they have so many international cuisines? Don't limit yourself to just yeah. eating a baguette, <laughs> which is delicious. Exactly. Yeah, and you should. But uh, no, you're right. There's. I also mm-hmm. appreciate too that um, some of the. French influence, you know, on the more quote-unquote ethnic cuisines because um, mm-hmm. you do kind of see a little bit of that too, so it's, that's very, very good. Yeah. What What is next for Sugar Hammock? What do you have planned?
1: Um, Quite a lot, actually. A, a, a lot of it is mostly just getting into gear and getting it started, really, but um, I, I do want to work a lot more on developing the content on the blog and um, developing what i put on there and the offering i put on there i know with everything that's gone on recently with instagram and the changes more and more people are turning back towards the blog and i know people are developing their email lists and things like that which i think is really exciting actually i think it's really interesting um so yeah working on more content in terms of um, tips advice guides that's really what i want to focus on for the next few months
0: you're a a wonderful teacher you can tell even if i didn't know that you taught english that teaching <laughs> is a you. strong suit of yours so you do it just as well with teaching your behind the scenes and photography and i can't wait to see what you come up with in the next couple Thank of you months so much. i have Thank a few closing you. questions before we go though um, Sure. What's, yeah what's something that you make when you're too tired to cook
1: noodles <laughs> definitely noodles
0: what kind of noodles? Any kind or a specific kind?
1: Any any kind. I actually just found a recipe just yesterday and, um, well, it was made with like pasta or tagliatelle, but it's a base and it's um, garlic chili oil noodles and they are amazing. And mm-hmm. if not, it will be um, something with um, like a sriracha, a- anything, really, any noodles.
0: Oh, that sounds so good. I just bought a new jar of garlic chili oil, so... I think I'm gonna make that for dinner. I I (laughs)
1: absolutely love the stuff. (laughs) Yes.
0: What's one recipe that you treasure the most?
1: Um, Oh, a recipe I treasure the most. (laughs) Do you know what? Maybe it sounds ridiculous. Maybe not treasuring, but um, ice cream because it took me so long to nail it. So I'm like, Uh, now I have the recipe down. I need to keep like hold on to this because it took me so long to get the right vegan ice cream recipe. Oh, what do you use as your base? Um, Any sort of um, non-dairy cream, but it needs to be heavy. Mm-hmm. So um, like a basically a double cream equivalent or even like a, a vegan uh, mascarpone. It works really well.
0: Oh, that sounds great. Um, yeah. We're gonna have to talk about vegan food in Paris on another episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? Am I sorry? Are you a messy cook
1: or a neat cook? <laughs> definitely a messy cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am. Um, and maybe that's the reason I like the, well, the, the, I take the photos that I do take and there's always a little bit of crumbs or a little bit of like spillage in the scene because it's, it's my reality. I am definitely not a neat cook. Um, the people who <laughs> clean up as they go along, that that is definitely not me. I wish yeah, it were, but it's not. same
0: way. I wish it were me, but uh, I have to just accept the fact that I'm not.
1: <laughs> What's a good kitchen tip? Um, you mean in cooking or in the kitchen itself? Either one. Um, my mom always told me um, slap the bottom of the cake tin. When you're making a cake and then you pour the cake batter into the tin, slap the bottom of the tin because the little air bubbles, will um, they won't collapse. <laughs>
0: ah very good very good tip okay and then on fridays i like to share five little things that made me smile was there something that made you smile this week
1: um you know what probably yes there was and i can't even remember it now and i wish oh i wish i could um oh that's such a shame because there's always little (laughs) things that make me smile and i can't even remember now so um yeah um I'm sure something happened in Paris that I saw that probably made me smile.
0: Yeah, well, there's always beautiful things in Paris.
1: So where can people Uh find you? Okay, so I have the Instagram page. So it is uh, Sugar Hammock. Um, Then I actually have my sort of commissioned only work. So that's Sugar Hammock Studio on Instagram and then I have the portfolio which is sugarhammockstudio.com and then I have the blog and that's sugarhammock.
0: Very good. Amika, I loved talking to you. I know I have more questions mm-hmm. so I'd love to have you back again another day. We have lots of things to talk about, especially Definitely. when it comes to food. Thank you for spending time yeah. with me today.
1: No problem. Thank you, Lorraine, for having me.
0: I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Amika Azuka for joining us today. If you love beautiful photography, delicious food, Paris, or any of the above, be sure to follow her stunning work. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking!